It's time for overtime. And I know just the guy to talk to. In the world of sports, it's all about the playmakers in today's headlines. From locals to the pros. With interviews from local standouts and sports all-stars across the country that will have you talking. Tell me more, tell me more. Hear from coaches, the players, sports analysts, and broadcasters who are a part of the action every day. Overtime, now with Burt Ramin on ESPN 102.3 AM 1000 KSOO. Sioux Falls Sports Leader. Happy Wednesday to you out in the 605 in the surrounding area. Welcome back into the Wednesday edition of Overtime right here on ESPN 102.3 AM 1000 KSOO. Things heating up in the world of college basketball, both men's and women's, including the SDSU Jackrabbit women taking home the Summit League tournament title yesterday. Still to come an hour two shortly, very shortly, your chance to win a gift card to the original Pancake House in Sioux Falls, and I'll be hooking you up with a pair of tickets to the 2023 Sioux Empire Sportsman Show that begins tomorrow on March 9th, runs through the 12th, Sioux Falls Arena and Convention Center. So much more up for grabs as well with Identity Crisis brought to you by the original Pancake House in Sioux Falls. Later this hour, Mike Wall, former NFL offensive lineman and the host of the On My Block podcast will join us talking Packers, Aaron Rodgers, and more. And we'll round out the show talking all things Twin Cities with Darren Wolfson of KSTP of the Twin Cities. Hit on the Vikings as well as the Minnesota Timberwolves. One game above 500, sitting at the seven spot in the Western Conference. Finals from yesterday, T-Pups lost to Philly 117-94 to in Minneapolis. Milwaukee won despite being shorthanded on the road in Orlando, 134-123. Other notable scores, Dallas with a four-point home win over Utah, 121-16. And the Lakers over the Grizzlies in L.A., 112-103. to Tonight in the NBA, Cavs at Heat at 6.30. Bulls at Nuggets at 8 o'clock. And the Suns will host the Thunder also at 8. NHL finals from yesterday. It was a tough loss for Minnesota. Been playing really good hockey lately. But they fall via shootout to Calgary in St. Paul, one to nothing. Carolina wins in Montreal 4-3 in shootout, and the Avalanche get an impressive 6-0 win over visiting San Jose. Tonight in the NHL, Blackhawks and Red Wings at 6.30 on TNT. Wild visits the, visit the Jets in Winnipeg at 6.30, and the Ducks and Canucks from Vancouver, 9 o'clock on TNT. Finals in men's basketball yesterday, North Dakota State fought hard, but ultimately fell to Oral Roberts 92-58, Max Asmus. And the Golden Eagles are champs. Acemas goes for 26 points and 11 assists. Gonzaga wins the WCC. That's the West Coast Conference, 77-51. That's their fourth straight tournament title, 10th of the last 11. Northern Kentucky defeats Cleveland State for the Horizon League title. The CAA championship belongs to Charleston. And today in men's basketball, you got the ACC tournament going on now. Still to come, Georgia Tech and Pitt at 1.30. BC and UNC at 6. Virginia Tech and NC State at 8.30. Big Ten Tournament gets going. Wisconsin and Ohio State at 5.30 on Big Ten Network for the right to face Iowa. Minnesota and Nebraska, 8 o'clock on Big Ten Network. Winner of that one faces Maryland. Lastly, Big 12 Tournament on the men's side today. Texas Tech and West Virginia at 6 o'clock. OU and rival Oklahoma State at 8.30. Women's basketball finals from yesterday. The Portland Pilots are on their way to the tournament with a 64-60 win in the West Coast Conference title game over Gonzaga. And UNLV down San Diego State. The Rebels will battle Wyoming in the Mountain West title game tonight at 9 o'clock. 
South Dakota State Jackrabbits going back to the big dance. A big win yesterday, 93-51 over Omaha. It's the 10th league tournament title for the Jacks and their first since 2019. SDSU shot 62% from the field in the game, the fourth best mark in league tournament history. Your all-tournament team, uh, Peyton Burkhardt, South Dakota State, as well as Monomensa of Kansas City, uh, and Maya Sellin to South Dakota State, Alina Pilakuda of Omaha, and Haley Timmer of South Dakota State as well was named the championship MVP. The Golden Eagles didn't leave any doubt last night in the men's game, downing North Dakota State 92-58 to cap off their undefeated run through conference opponents in the regular season and at the tournament championship. And with the win, Paul Mills' team heading back to the NCAA tournament for the seventh time, and they returned just two years after reaching the Sweet 16 in 2021. As for your all-tournament team on the men's side, Andrew Rohde of St. Thomas, Grant Nelson of North Dakota State, Bowden Skungberg of North Dakota State, Connor Vanover, the big for ORU, and Max Acemus of ORU was named tournament MVP. couple updates here as we continue with your ReliaBank headlines of the day. For all of your banking needs, see the great local service at ReliaBank.com. The Baltimore Ravens placed the non-exclusive franchise tag on quarterback Lamar Jackson yesterday, causing uncertainty about his future with the team. The Ravens made the move official by using the tag just before the deadline yesterday. Baltimore and Jackson, who doesn't have an agent and is representing himself, have been unable to reach a long-term deal since he became eligible for a contract extension over two years ago. Sources told ESPN last year that Jackson wants a fully guaranteed deal like the one given to Deshaun Watson last year by the Cleveland Browns. Baltimore is against doing so because the team considers the Watson deal an outlier. The non-exclusive tag means Jackson can now engage in contract talks with other teams. If he signs an offer sheet with another team, Baltimore has the right to match the offer to keep him or take two first-round picks as compensation. The non-exclusive tag, which will pay Jackson $32 million this season, is less expensive than the exclusive one, projected at $45 million, which would have allowed the Ravens to control his rights this year. So this is very interesting for a multitude of reasons. And now you have your answer. Do the Ravens value Lamar Jackson? And your answer is a resounding no. They do not. Two years ago, the opportunity to negotiate with Jackson presented itself. That was before the Deshaun Watson situation. And you know what is true of market value? Is when somebody or something raises its price exponentially, that has to do with the market value. And yes, the Deshaun Watson contract is an outlier. But when you're Lamar Jackson... And by all accounts, you've been a better player than Deshaun Watson your entire career. You've gotten MVP. You didn't get suspended for an entire year. You have put your body on the line for a team in a running offense as a running quarterback. You've excelled as a passer also. And for Baltimore to non-exclusively franchise tag you says, hey, we want to hear from everybody. Give us two first-round picks for Lamar. We're open for business. We don't want this guy on our team anymore. He's not worth it to us. He thinks he's worth Deshaun Watson money, and we don't think he is. And whether or not that's the message Baltimore is trying to send, that's the message they're sending. So for Lamar Jackson, I hope he gets out of there because they do not value him as a player. And yes, he's battled some injuries, but as far as a character goes and being a dependable, rock-solid football player, he has checked all the boxes in Baltimore. MVP winner. One of the best teams a few years ago in the league. No weapons on offense. 
to speak of. No top receivers, no number two receivers. There's been some young guys mixed in there, but nobody's been able to excel in that offense, which is built around the run game. And guess what? Their running backs have been devastated by injury too. And who's been there through it all? But Lamar Jackson, the top 10 quarterback, top five in many's eyes. And I think that Baltimore's making a big mistake here because they're going to have somebody come and pay this two first-round picks. And to be honest, it's two first-round picks no matter where they fall in the first round. Baltimore with the chance to to match the offer. But if you're a team sitting in the late first round that needs a quarterback or might need one in a few years, why wouldn't you do this? Lamar's still a young guy coming off of an injury that isn't anything of grave concern, and I think he's absolutely worth the risk of bringing on to a team that is a quarterback away or could be in the in the near future. Very young player, Lamar Jackson, uh, kind of being pushed out of town here and really opening it up for other teams to uh, kick in the door on the Ravens and uh, land Lamar Jackson with the non-exclusive franchise tag. Again, that value, $32 million relative to the exclusive that would be 45, which would give the Ravens the rights to Lamar Jackson outright. But now it just opens up another avenue that isn't technically a trade for a team to acquire the services of Lamar Jackson. The New York Giants yesterday signed quarterback Daniel Jones to a four-year contract and subsequently used their non-exclusive franchise tag on running back Saquon Barkley. The Giants made the moves just before the deadline yesterday, as we heard from Marie Fasson on the impacts of that. Four years, $160 million, more like a two-year deal for Daniel Jones. And Saquon Barkley going to have to play it on a one-year contract this year unless something long-term gets done. When we come back, it's Identity Crisis. Get your calls in now. I'll take caller number three. It's a football player today. That's your first hint. I'll give you five if you get it. You go home with a gift card to the original Pancake House as well. As two tickets to the Sioux Empire Sportsman Show coming up this weekend in Sioux Falls. An ESPN Sioux Falls t-shirt and a haircut at the Man Salon. It's all up for grabs next. Identity Crisis, caller number three. If you want to win some great prizes, 605-362-3776. That number, 605-362-3776. Caller three. We'll play Identity Crisis next here on Overtime. on ESPN 102.3 and AM 1000 KSOO, Sioux Falls Sports Leader. Midway through hour number two on the Wednesday edition of Overtime. Appreciate you being with us on ESPN 102.3 AM 1000 KSOO. Well, we tease before the break, it's time for the identity crisis on Wednesday. I give you five clues. You have to tell me what sports figure I'm talking about. And Dan was our caller number three. Dan, we appreciate you dialing us up. How you doing today? Great. Great. Good to have you, Dan. Let's go ahead and crank it up and play Identity Crisis right here with ESPN Sioux Falls. I don't know. Who are you? Me? I know who I am. I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. Well, this is exhausting. Let's see if you can tell us the sports figure we're talking about in today's identity crisis on Overtime. 
Dan, Hello. Dan joins us. Dan, you're still online with us, so I appreciate you being with us. As uh, It's time now for you to tell me what sports figure I'm talking about. The Identity Crisis brought to you by the original Pancake House. We told you it's a football player today. Dan, here are your clues. And I would wait till the end to guess here. Your first clue is a quarterback. This quarterback played in the NFL from 2003 to 2011. In order, this quarterback played for the Chicago Bears, Houston Texans, and the Commanders. This quarterback was second in Heisman voting in 2001 to Nebraska's Eric Crouch. And last but most certainly not least, this quarterback played college football at the University of Florida. Dan, who am I talking about? Rex Grossman. That is correct. Dan, congratulations. That is correct. You are our winner today, and you're going to go home with a uh, gift card to the original Pancake House, a pair of tickets to the Sioux Empire Sportsman Show, and much more. Dan, thanks for playing. Congratulations. Thanks, bud. Absolutely. It's always good to be a Bears fan. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, Rex Grossman taking the Bears to the Super Bowl uh, not too long ago. So, Dan, congratulations. Thanks for uh being with us today, Rex Grossman, our correct answer on today's identity crisis. It's always brought to you by the original Pancake House in Sioux Falls. From traditional pancakes to specialty recipes like bacon pancakes and banana pancakes, OPH prides themselves on providing great food in a comfortable, casual atmosphere. You can avoid the wait by joining the wait list online on your way to the original Pancake House at Original Pancake House Sioux Falls. We got to get a break. When we come back, it'll be Mike Wall, the former NFL offensive lineman and the host of the On My Block podcast. And then to round out the show, we'll head up to the Twin Cities and talk all things Timberwolves and Vikings with Darren Wolfson of KSTP in the Twin Cities. Back after this with more overtime on a Wednesday, ESPN 102.3 AM 1000 KSOO. On your way. Online and with the app, this is Overtime with Burt Ramin on ESPN 102.3 and AM 1000 KSOO, Sioux Falls Sports Leader. We're right back with you on our number two of Overtime today as we continue to cover and dissect the Green Bay Packers and the NFL offseason. Obviously, things lately have picked up steam as of late with a in-person visit from the Jets to veteran quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Here to help us unpack all the latest on Rodgers and the Packers offseason is former Green Bay Packer and the current host of the On My Block podcast. That's Mike Wall. Mike, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. It's always a blast to have you on. Let's start with uh, with where you are currently and what you're doing. You uh, obviously are a guy that uh, knows the ins and outs of the game as, as good as anyone. Uh, and you're actually overseas right now, and you're working with uh, with a German football league. Tell us a little bit more about that and and where you're heading next? Yeah, I'm in here, and uh, I'm actually standing in a little rainy Mannheim, Germany. But we we had a great coaches convention. I, I partnered with the 247 AFS American Football School over here. We're in a great coaching convention for coaches in all the different leagues that there are in Germany. Germany's got relegation leagues, and, and every single league from their first team all the way down to the rec league nine is, is in a tiered division, very specific. You get relegated, you can play up. So. The new way of doing business for football is certainly interesting. Uh, I got to work with some player camps as well over the week and just trying to take it all in. They're growing the sport here in Germany. It's becoming a fan favorite, and uh, I'd love to be part, you know, a bigger part of it. 
And obviously we've seen an influx of late uh, relative to years past of, of international players making their way to the NFL, whether it be uh, from Africa or from Europe. We've seen some uh, big NFL draft prospects uh, come over from Germany and countries uh, nearby. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the latest storylines from Green Bay. Off the jump, I know you uh, spend a lot of time with Amon Green on the podcast. He's got to be pretty happy, I'd imagine, with the Packers running back situation. Uh, it was unclear if uh, if Aaron Jones would return and in what capacity to Green Bay, but they end up getting a contract extension done. Uh, what do you make of that tandem as it moves forward and continues to be one of the best in the league? Well, I think that's the important part. I think that Tandem's one of the best in the league. AJ is uh, really coming into his own as, as, as far as developing to be able to start a little bit faster year in and year out. We're seeing that improvement kind of, you know, getting the ball rolling downhill earlier in the season. I think last two years ago, it maybe took him eight games to do it. Now it probably took three or four. So hopefully next year he just ran off the jump. I've, Aaron Jones is one of my favorite players in the National Football League. I think he's just fantastic. He's got a great story. Plays extremely hard. Plays way high, you know, heavier than uh, than his his playing weight. Runs hard. Explosive athlete. Can beat you in the run and pass game. He's still in his prime. So, I think everyone has to be really excited about the prospect of those two guys in the backfield together again. If we continue to find ways to get him on the field at the same time and use use their respective talents, I think that's better for the Packers overall. Yeah, regardless of the quarterback situation in Green Bay, it does seem like the weapons have really kind of. Uh... Been in that iron sharpening iron situation. The running backs are solid. Uh, tight ends an area of need, but receivers should continue to grow. Uh, let's talk about the recent restructures in Green Bay, uh, creating some cap space, looking to get under the cap, and obviously make things flexible in free agency, perhaps adding a veteran or two. Jair Alexander, Preston Smith, uh, restructuring contracts. Uh, what does that mean for Green Bay? And, and just is that simply what it is at face value, just shifting around some money to make more room and more flexibility this offseason, or do you think there's something bigger at play? I'm sure it's just for this offseason. I mean, listen, anytime you restructure a contract from an athlete's perspective, you're just pushing money back, which means eventually you know that you're going to have to, A, really restructure it in terms of give you new money, or they're going to have to release you and you get to go to the free agency market. So you look at those two players, they're, they're talented players, they know they can get paid in free agency. Um, they've been playing at a high level both last year in particular. So from a player standpoint, they're very happy to restructure their contract, push a couple dollars back to the, the following year. So the Packers are kind of, at some point as a player, you know that you're forcing the, the team pan. From a Green Bay standpoint, they got to clear some space because regardless if Aaron comes back or not, they're a couple players away from being, you know, a team that you really think they can compete with the likes of the, the Niners or the Eagles in the NFC as far as getting to the championship game and having a chance to win it. I don't know if they have a chance to win it without Aaron Rodgers, but even if they have them, you look at the tight end position. You look at another, you know, potentially another defensive end, a safety. There's some there's some positions of need in free agency in the draft that if the Packers don't address properly, they're probably not going to get to the top point. Very good points there. As we're talking with Mike Wall, former NFL offensive lineman, right here on Overtime ESPN 102.3 AM 1000 KSOO. When it comes to the lead-up to the NFL draft for Green Bay, of course there's a lot of questions as to the number of picks they'll have in the first round or second round this year, depending upon a possible Aaron Rodgers trade. But as it sits right now, what are a few draft needs in the early rounds for Green Bay? And I know that uh, lately when you look at the mocks, it's a lot of uh, Notre Dame tight end in in the 15th overall spot, Michael Mayer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for long term that's a great opportunity to bring a guy like that. And he's one of those tight ends that looks like you can groom him to be a factor in the run in the past game. 
Um, there's a couple other guys in the draft that maybe are more enticing to got you know, to uh, to fans who love to watch people the receivers catch balls and call themselves tight ends, or the big fellow down in Georgia who's uh, I know his favorite player is Mercedes Lewis and, and he's just a monster. But for me, I'd love to see a guy more like in the Bubba Frank, Mark Shamara mold that can do everything. Great red zone target, and I think that guy could be a player like like Mayer out of Notre Dame. The problem, I think, with taking a tight end in the first round right now is, is if Aaron Rodgers comes back, you have a very small window of opportunity. That position is so valuable. You're expecting a guy to come in, learn the offense, learn the hand signals, learn the nuances. And, and you know, it's arguably the most difficult position to learn on the field because they have responsibilities in the run game, in the pass blocking game, and in the passing game. I'd rather bring in a free agent at tight end as much as I like Mayer. I look at safety. I look at defensive end even potentially a right tackle offensive line if they're available, as positions that can come in, start, and make an impact right away. All very good points. Again, tight end, uh, a premium position, but so many responsibilities, running game, especially with Green Bay. I mean, that's what really they make their hay at the tight end position. That's what made has made Mercedes Lewis such a valuable veteran for the Packers. Uh, when it comes to draft needs, I know that Josh Myers uh, struggled a little bit at center uh, this past year specifically. Is interior offensive line at all a draft need for the Packers this year? Absolutely, and, and they'll continue to draft offensive linemen every year like they do. It just it just depends on what round they find value in. You know, when you look at the Green Bay Packers on the, on the offensive line, consistency is the word that I would continue to bring up. Can we find a little more consistency in what we're doing? You know, the departure of Adam Stanovich, the offensive coordinator, I think had an impact on that room. Um, I'm sure they'll get it. They'll get everything together from that standpoint, from the coaching standpoint, make sure the communication is clear and consistent uh, and improving on their technique. But guys like Josh Myers definitely have to play better than they did last year. Um, bringing in people to push them or to possibly replace them, it's always an, op- you know, an option on the board. It just depends, again, where guys fall. He is a talent. He can be a player in this league. He just has to shore up and make improvements off of that second year and not last year. Packers, a lot of young options on the offensive line. Of course, strong season for Zach Tom as a rookie. They're hoping to get Sean Ryan's wheels going as well as we gear up for 2023 of Green Bay Packers football here on Overtime with Mike Wall. Follow him on Twitter at MikeWall68. Of course, Mike, i got to talk to you a little bit about Aaron Rodgers. Did it surprise you at all to see how fast things had started moving with the New York Jets? Not really. I mean, when you say fast, we've been talking about it for two years. Yeah. So... It's, it's, it's always slow right up in the moment it happens. But, you know, listen, if the, if the New York Jets have an opportunity to land a generational talent at quarterback, he's got some years left under, you know, under his belt at a really high level. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to the Jets and you know, he goes and has an MVP season. He's, he's that kind of talent. He's that kind of competitor. So given the fact that they haven't been good at the quarterback position for decades, um, given how, the fact that they have a, a great coach, great defensive mind, great defense, they have talent at the wide receiver position. They have an offensive line. When they get healthy, it's going to be on par, if not better, than the Green Bay Packers offensive line. I really would be excited if I was Aaron Rodgers about the opportunity to go to New York, um, assuming that you like living in New York City, like the media there, like all that comes with being a part of part of Jets Nation. Um, the AFC East, I think, is not going to be an easy division. Obviously, the AFC, is, as far as a conference, you know, you're looking at a lot of really good quarterbacks, um, up-and-coming quarterbacks, established guys like Patrick Mahomes. you got Joe Burrow there, who seems to me to be the next Joe Montana. So I, I don't think it's easy to get out of the AFC, but if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I have that kind of confidence. I have confidence in myself, confidence in that team. It could be an interesting prospect for sure. 
We'll just have to wait and see. Reportedly that the Jets are back in New York today after flying out, spending the afternoon and evening with Rodgers out in California. Of course, that contingent included head coach Robert Sala, offense coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, and the team owner and general manager. Lastly, Mike, I just want to ask you a question about your career and as it pertains to the possibility of Rodgers uh, leaving Green Bay. You, of course, did the same and, and ended up in Carolina and Seattle to round out your career, but what sort of culture shock or change could we expect for, for Aaron Rodgers leaving Green Bay? He's been there for an awfully long time. How is Green Bay different uh, operationally and in the locker room than in your average NFL franchise? Well, obviously, I, I can't speak for every franchise. I can just give you my experience. Um, Green Bay, you know, the, everybody thinks the grass is greener. It's not. Green Bay is the best place to play. Lambeau is the best stadium to play in. The organization is top-notch. People who are running the show there are top-notch. You don't have an owner that, that meddles with uh, players' lives or meddles with um, meddles with the the kind of external around the uh, around football. You just have people who are dedicated to winning, dedicated to becoming the best version of themselves. I really think there's no better place to play than Green Bay. It was a shock uh, for me personally going to Carolina and not having a an expectation of having a top five offense every year, having an expectation of being average in Carolina and letting the defense try to win games. Uh, that was a that was a real shock and a real difficulty. I think for time that i spent there all really good thoughts as always mike wall 68 on twitter and mike we appreciate the time and insight you give us all the time and uh overseas edition today but we hope to talk to you back in the u.s here soon hey you got it have a good week that's mike wall our guest here on overtime always great insight into the nfl the ins and outs of the organization there and uh, the Green Bay Packers situation with quarterback aaron Rodgers. things sped up yesterday as it was reported that the Packers had allowed Rodgers and the Jets to have contact, and then immediately uh, in the afternoon, the Jets reportedly took off with their brass head coach and offensive coordinator to California to meet with Aaron Rodgers in person. So things starting to accelerate on the front of Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers possibly splitting this offseason. Still no decision as of yet, but of course we'll be all over it as soon as that drops if it does. Mike Wall, our guest there. Again, give him a follow on Twitter at MikeWall68. Check out the On My Block and Block Party podcast as well. One of the best in the business joining us on Overtime. When we come back, we'll make the trip up to the Twin Cities and talk with Darren Wolfson of KSTP about the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Vikings, and much, much more. That's ahead as we round out the Wednesday edition of Overtime right here on ESPN 102.3 AM 1000 KSOO. with Burt Ramin on ESPN 102.3 and AM 1000 KSOO, Sioux Falls Sports Leader. We are right back with you on the Wednesday edition of Overtime right here in the 605 ESPN 102.3 AM 1000 KSOO as we make a trip up to the Twin Cities now as we talk with Darren Wolfson of KSTP in the Twin Cities. Darren, it's always a blast to get caught up with you. I did hear you were in Sioux Falls uh, rather recently. How are things? I'm doing well, Bert. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it's my older son's birthday week he turns 12 on saturday 
So I was trying to find some different ideas and things to do. Looked into heading down to Phoenix for the World Baseball Classic. Baseball wow. is his number one sport. But for some reason, I can't even figure it out, Bert. Flights are as expensive as I've ever seen. And I get it. It's spring break time. Yeah. But I just can't recall flights being this expensive. And so didn't want to spend quite that much money. Plus the tickets were ungodly expensive. So we started to go down the list of possibilities. I threw out heading to Chicago to see the Gophers. They play later today yep. against Nebraska. Weakling Wednesday. You don't want to be playing on Wednesday in the Big Ten <laughs> tournament. But I threw out that idea. But then I also knew I had it to be you know here in the Twin Cities later part of this week for for some TV commitments. And so it would have been a quick in and out to Chicago. And so he's like, well, you know, I want to get ready later in the week for, for baseball tryouts. Those ramp up here in a few days. And he's got a birthday party he wanted to attend on Friday. And so, you know, we're trying to just maneuver, okay, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. And we, you know, we ended up, you know, settling on two falls. And it was fantastic. It was a quick in and out. But just knowing some people with the Summit League, knowing some people with St. Thomas, it worked out well with St. Thomas winning on Sunday against Western Illinois. So to be able to see St. Thomas Oral Roberts on Monday really, really worked out. And you know, just the atmosphere in the arena for, for the South Dakota State game was fantastic. It's unfortunate that the Jackrabbits couldn't live up to their end of the bargain just in terms of being competitive. But, yeah, I mean, we just we drove in on Monday, you know, nice smooth drive, three and a half hours, drove in. We stopped at Shields for some stuff, headed to the hotel. We stayed right across the street from the Premier Center, headed over. Watched the two games, went back, had a little late dinner at the at the pizza place at the hotel, slept, woke up, and we drove back on, on Tuesday morning. So it was. It was about 24 hours. But my son had a blast. I had a blast. That is a great venue, the Premier Center yeah. for basketball. So, yeah, we just we had a really, really fun time. Yeah, it was a great tournament this year. And, you know, SDSU, unfortunately, bows out. But North Dakota State really kind of showed uh, who they are. With uh, with Grant Nelson having the big night, and that was fun to see. I mean, breaking the rebounding record, and then of course, I mean, St. Thomas held their own, led at halftime against ORU. So quite the uh, quite the slew of action there, and that all wrapped up yesterday with South Dakota State women winning the title and ORU taking care of business over North Dakota State. We're joined by Darren Wolfson of KSTP in the Twin Cities here on the Wednesday edition of Overtime. Let's talk Timberwolves now. Just when everybody was panicking. Uh, this time last week, a few wins to round out the California road trip. Uh, has fans thinking uh, thinking pretty well about uh, how what this team could be. They're in the seven spot right now, and that follows the loss last night uh, to the 76ers. Uh, overall, how should fans feel? How do you feel about the Timberwolves right now at 34 and 33? I think they should feel okay, Bert. I mean, going back to January 1st, I mean, that's a relatively large sample size outside of Denver. In Sacramento, the Wolves are the best team in the Western Conference, but in the heat of the moment, coming off the loss, as you mentioned last night, to Philadelphia, you feel a little bit bummed. I mean, the Sixers were playing the fifth game of a five-game road trip, their fifth game in seven nights. They had played the previous night, Monday night, in Indiana in a track meet. James Harden is a late scratch last night. So you're thinking everything is in the Wolves' favor. The Wolves hadn't played for a few days or a couple days at least, right? So they had rest on their side. They had the home court advantage on their side. The fact that Philadelphia didn't get to town until 2, 3 in the morning on Tuesday morning, it's like, okay, 
Like, let's find a way to win. And they just couldn't make shots last night. Like, for the most part, Bert, I really like the looks they got. Mm-hmm. But outside of Anthony Edwards, they just couldn't get the ball through the hoop. And Embiid was just off the charts. I mean, he's turned into a capable three-point shooter. But he knocked down four, right? And then you're drawing a defender out, and that opens up the lane. I mean, he just he was absurd last night. I thought Tyrese Maxey was also really good. It's going to fluctuate, Bert, right? I mean, with... Yep. I don't know how many games are left here. What is it now? 16 or 15? Yeah, Whatever crazy. it is. I mean, on a nightly basis, the standings are all over the place. I mean, you know, Golden State loses last night to OKC, right? That's not what I had, you know, happening, right? And Dallas finds a way to eke out a win late against Utah. You know, that could have done the Wolves a favor if the Jazz had won that game, right? So, you know, the key is avoid the seventh seed and the eighth seed, right? Get up to six especially if Sacramento ends up finishing third. With all due respect to the Kings, if you're the sixth seed and you open up against the three-seed Sacramento Kings, that to me would be a very favorable matchup. But if you look at the Wolves' schedule the rest of the way, Bert, it's as tough as any in the Western Conference. It is a very challenging schedule, more road games than home games. Although, heck, you just said it, right? I mean, you know, a couple Sundays ago, they lose to Golden State. Then they win at the Clippers, at the Lakers, at Sacramento. I'm not quite sure anybody saw the Wolves winning those last three games on that four-game California road trip. So maybe the road is better off for the Wolves right now. But to me, the key is just find a way to avoid being the seven or the eight. But I think in the end, that's what they're going to be, right? And so can you find a way to at least get to seven to get that home game, to get those two home games if you need a second game? Just like last year where they were the seven, the Clippers were the eight, the Wolves beat the Clippers, celebrate like they won the championship, then end up playing Memphis in the first round. Oh, by the way, if Memphis ends up finishing second, now they may they may falter here for a bit, you know, depending on what takes place with John Morant, if John's going to be back anytime soon. But Memphis lost last night on national TV to the Lakers on TNT, so Memphis may end up falling. But, you know, that'd be another favorable situation. If you can somehow secure the seven seed, then open up against the two seed, Memphis Grizzlies. So I still think, based on matchups, the Wolves could maybe win a playoff series. I'm not suggesting they're going to win multiple series, win the Western Conference, anything crazy like that. But if they could somehow win a playoff series, I think we could look at this year and say, you know what? First year with Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns missing now 46 games and counting. If you can somehow win a playoff series, I think you could look at the year and say, you know what? Overall, a success. So I still think you know, the the chances of them having a successful season are there in front of them, but I just don't know if there's a way to avoid the play, and they're just so much of a roller coaster. They can beat anybody on any given night. They can lose to anybody, right? I mean, two losses to the Pistons, a loss or two to the Rockets, Spurs. They've lost to the Hornets. They blew a 20-point lead right before the All-Star break at home to the Washington Wizards, yep. who may not be even in the play-in in the Eastern Conference. The Wolves have seven or eight losses this year, Bert, where you're like, whoa, what the heck? How do you lose to those teams? That may ultimately be on their obituary for this year. If they end up, let's say, you know, losing in the play-in, you know, not even making the playoffs, or let's say they get into the playoffs, but they're the eighth seed, end up losing to the Denver Nuggets in, say, five or six games, that will be part of the obituary for this year. Those seven or eight losses to the bottom feeders in the league. But I'm just telling you, the way Anthony Edwards is playing right now, they still have a chance, I think, to win a playoff series. So it's a long-winded answer to your inquiry that, you know, 
really, I don't know because I just don't yeah. know on a nightly basis yeah, it's which been... Wolves team is, is going to show up. But I know that they are capable of winning a playoff series, certainly depending on matchup. All very good points. And I know the expectations for some this year were sky high, immediately hoping that the roster would gel together with the trade uh, for Gobert. Uh, that wasn't the case. Carl Anthony Towns missing time. Uh, you mentioned how good Anthony Edwards has been. I got a couple questions just as far as players go. I know you're probably tired of talking about it because there might not be much to report, but what is the latest on Carl Anthony Towns? I know that Sports Illustrated has something today that Chris Finch saying that they're hopeful that he will return this season. Uh, so what's the latest on, on Carl Anthony Towns? And then how much of a revelation has uh, uh, revelation, excuse me, has uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker been as part of that trade that sent Mike Conley to, uh, to Minnesota also? Sure, I'll start with the latter, then I'll get to the former. There actually is a Carl Anthony Towns update today, so I'm glad you brought his name up. On Nikhil Alexander-Walker, he was with Wolves coach Chris Finch in New Orleans early in his career, so Finch knows all about him. You know, he didn't really play the first couple games, took a little bit to get, you know, acclimated here to the Wolves, to the Twin Cities, but I sat down with him soon after the interview for a one-on-one conversation. I asked him a question at the very end. I said, hey, as we get to know you, Nikhil, what about you will surprise us? And I'm thinking, you know, maybe he would tell me about some of his interests off the court. He goes, I'm a lot better player than people realize. Mm. And you know what? So far, Bert, he is spot on right now. I don't know if he's this good of a three-point shooter overall, though his numbers did pick up during his run in Utah before the trade. But career-wise, he's not that good of a three-point shooter. But he is making three-point shots. He's just making shots. Yep. Overall. So I don't know if he can keep this up, but I like his energy on defense. I think he's a plus defender. I really do. So, I mean, there's a spot in the rotation for him, even when Jalen Noel comes back, who's out right now with a knee injury, but it's not a long-term injury. I still think there are 10 to 12 to 16 minutes a night for Nikhil Alexander-Walker. So, so far, so good. A lot of people looked at that trade and said, okay, he's just a throw-in, making the money work, whatever. No, like he's a legit rotational piece. He's a restricted free agent this summer. You know, I mean, I, you know, my sense is the Wolves absolutely want him back next year. I don't know what a multi-year contract looks like, but I can just tell you the idea is Nikhil Alexander-Walker is not any sort of rental player. On Carl Anthony Townsburg, he is actually going to play some, I don't know if it's three-on-three, five-on-five, but some live action later today. This will be the first time that he's playing live action, you know, going back to, you know, when he got hurt in Washington in late November, right? So today is actually a significant step forward. He has been doing stuff on the court, but nobody's been guarding him. Nobody's been pushing him around. That will actually ramp up today. I know he's been doing some boxing off the court, some other, you know, cardiovascular type activity, you know, off the court. But, you know, nothing can mimic just, you know, actually getting real run in. And so he'll do that today. And so all signs, I mean, the fact that he's doing that today, barring some sort of setback, you know, something goes catastrophically wrong with the calf, he will be back. I just can't tell you a target date. I mean, you would imagine he wants to practice with his teammates, all his teammates. You know, today's going to be more, you know, some trainers and some of the support staff. They actually, the Wolves don't have practice today. So, you know, there might be some guys in the facility, but, you know, like when I say it's ramping up today, it's only ramping up so much. When it'll truly ramp up is when he gets back practicing with his teammates. But, you know, that would be the next logical step after today. So I can't imagine he plays Friday 
against the Nets, but like I would hope at some point here before the month is over. But heck, Bert, I said that yeah. you know in January, then I said it in February that yeah. I thought he would be back. You know, and he's dictating a lot of this, and I get it. He wants to be cautious. He doesn't want this to turn into a torn Achilles, right? You see what happened with Kevin Durant a couple of years ago. Cat is well aware that with the staff strain, if you don't handle it the right way, he could end up tearing his Achilles. So he's being uber cautious, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Chris Finch is lying to us for when he says we fully expect Cat back this season. I mean, heck, how good would he have been last night? They couldn't make shots last night. Like, he would have been perfect last night. Mm-hmm. They needed him last night. And I think, you know, I don't think enough people are talking about how much they have missed him, right? I'm not exactly an excuse maker. The Wolves have underachieved this year. I thought they would go over 49.5 wins preseason, clearly. They're not going to hit that Vegas over under mark. So it's been an underachieving season. You know, you look at Walker Kessler, what he's doing in Utah, what Rudy Gobert has or hasn't done here, right? I mean, there's there's enough negativity with the team. But I do think it's worth noting that their best player or second best player, we can have that debate, but one of their two best players has been out now for, I don't know if it's 46 or 47 games. It's one of those two numbers, but... He's been out since November 28th or November 29th, whenever that game was in late November in Washington, right? If you take any team's best or second best player out of the lineup for 46, 47 games, there's going to be hurdles. There's going to be hiccups. Now the comeback is when Cat was healthy, right? The Wolves were 10 and 11, right? Through their first 21 games, they were under 500. So we can debate how large a sample size 21 games is as they're trying to get acclimated, trying to figure each other out. You know, Rudy Gobert coming in. You know, I think they needed a little bit more time than 21 games. But I'm just saying, if you take the best or second-best player out of any team's lineup, right? I mean, we're seeing Memphis right now struggling without job. I'm just saying, if you take the best or second-best player, look at the Warriors this year when Curry's been out. You take the best or second-best player out of a team's lineup, they're going to struggle at times. So that's definitely part of, of where the Wolves are right now at, you know, what, one game above 500, you know, when, you know, with a healthy cat, maybe they'd be in that five spot or, or that four spot. But the good news is all signs point to him being back this season, being available, whether it's the play-in or the playoffs, I don't think they're going to miss the play-in. So bare minimum to me, they will be playing meaningful post-regular season basketball and all signs point to cat being back for that action. Minnesota 34 and 33, 15 games remain in the regular season. The finale will be home to New Orleans on Sunday, April 9th. Darren Wilson of KSTP and the Twin Cities, our guest. Lastly, Darren, just to comment on Minnesota, we saw them uh, part ways with longtime linebacker Eric Kendricks earlier this week. And of course, he was a uh, kind of staple on that defense for quite some time. I know Brian Flores is in town with a new scheme. Looking for new players, fresh blood, possibly better fits in the system. Uh, should Vikings fans expect to see another player cut before the new league year on March 15th? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, they still need to create approximately $16 million in cap space by next Wednesday afternoon. So, yes, fully expect more action to take place. Nothing is pointing to that action taking place officially today or even tomorrow. I'm expecting Friday to be busy, but I suppose that timeline could move up. Then maybe you see some news on 
Thursday late morning or early afternoon. But I'm imagining we'll see some news on Friday. Adam Thielen would be the guy I would keep an eye on more than anyone. You look at that enormous cap figure. You look at, you know, a logical replacement. Heck, we saw it even materialize this past season with K.J. Osborne really yeah. elevating up to that number two wide receiver spot. Now, in Adam's defense, I don't think he was healthy a good portion of the year. I think he was playing through some some knee pain. I still think Adam can help a team, but you look at that cap number, great guy, right? Walter Payton, man of the year for the Vikings in 2022. So he does so much to help so many people off the field, a team leader in that locker room, still has enough good football in him, but you just can't justify paying him the amount of money that he's on the hook for with a cap hit of over $19 million. So the Vikings can create all sorts of cap space by doing something with Adam, whether they, you know, designated as a post June first move or just do it right now with a little bit more dead money. But bottom line, I fully expect to see Adam Thielen in a different uniform next year. And there may be more moves. I mean yep. CJ Ham at three point eight million dollars, another great guy, but does it make sense to pay a fullback in this offense that much money? You know, then you can look at a guy like Jordan Hicks. Yes, this regime signed him as a free agent this time last year. But really, what did Jordan Hicks do last season to justify his money for this upcoming season? So there's there's some other moves you can look at. Plus, you know, they have interest in extending T.J. Hawkinson, so if they can get that done, you know, they had an initial conversation with his representation at the Combine in Indianapolis. So can you find a way to extend Hawkinson to lower his 2023 cap hit? So there's other moves that they can make like that. But I'm just telling you, yes. You know, to answer your question, yes. At least one more, if not multiple more moves are are coming. I look at Friday as being a key day for that. Minnesota Vikings offseason rolling along. And again, Wednesday will be the deadline to be under the salary cap for next season. So some movers and shakers expected for the Minnesota Vikings. That's Darren Wolfson of KSTP up in the Twin Cities with a great wide-ranging conversation on the Timberwolves who continue to mystify uh, both fans and the league this year, and who knows what they are with 15 games to go. Also, a comment there on the Vikings movers and shakers ahead of Wednesday's deadline. Darren, always a blast to talk to you, man. We hope to do it again soon. You got it, Bert. I appreciate all the hospitality in Sioux Falls. I'm you know, disappointed we didn't connect personally, but you know, Brian with the semi-league, some other great people there. Just, it, was, it was a really good time. You know, I wish maybe the schedule could have worked out better where we could have been in attendance last night for for the Oral Roberts victory over NDSU. But my son had a blast. I had a blast on Monday. So we really enjoyed our time there in Sioux Falls. Absolutely true. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would love to have connected also. But, again, there's always next year and each and every year Summit League Tournament, uh, such an amazing venue, uh, basketball quality on the court. And it's just so great to be out and about with uh, with such a great basketball tournament and such an impactful tournament uh, for our community here in Sioux Falls. That's Darren Wolfson of KSTP up in the Twin Cities, and that will round out the Wednesday edition of Overtime. Believe it or not, absolutely flies by. NFL quarterback news surely coming down the pike in the next couple of days. Where will Aaron Rodgers end up? And so much more is on the docket. We're excited to continue tomorrow with the Thursday edition of the show, but until that time... We will say thanks for being along for the ride, and we will talk to you tomorrow on Overtime on ESPN 102.3 AM 1000 KSOO.
can get